Welcome to Automation Chat. In this episode, I talk with Chris Hardawar, Vice President of Automation with MapleSoft. We have a fascinating and comprehensive conversation about digital twins that explains in clear terms how they work and how they change the design and commissioning process. And he gives us examples of how companies are using digital twins and looks ahead at what's coming next for this technology. I'm your host, Teresa Houck, Executive Editor of the Journal from Rockwell Automation and our partner network magazine. But before we start, it's time for our family-friendly, silly joke of the day. How many mystery writers does it take to change a light bulb? Two, one to screw in the bulb almost all the way, and one to give a surprising twist at the end. (laughs) All right, here's my chat with Chris. Hi, Chris. Welcome to Automation Chat. Thanks for being here. This is great to see you. Hi, Teresa. It's great to see you as well. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited because I love this topic. So let's begin by learning about digital twins. What is it and how is it used for automation design? I like that question. Um, (laughs) Digital twins uh, sometimes can be thought of as a buzzword at first, um, but uh, but really they're they're really powerful um, assets uh, to any organization actually. And there's different levels for for them. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But digital twins in its essence are digital representations of physical assets. So take, for example, where MapleSoft specializes in digital twins for machines, where it's a simulation a model of an entire machine made out of mechanics and hydraulics and, uh, and electronics, et cetera, all put together in one model. And really what it is, it's this digital model, this digital asset that behaves the same way as the real one would. So I'll give you an example where, you know, commonly used in, in the design process for, for engineering and for manufacturing is that uh, you would go from concepts and in that concept, you go perhaps to a 3D CAD where the mechanical engineers put things together. Um, And then from there, you can actually order parts and build a first prototype and then play with that prototype. There's a stage where the digital twin becomes very valuable if you build the model first. So after the 3D CAD, um, you build the simulation model and you bring it to life. And now you bring it to life and it should represent exactly how it's going to behave in the real world. And what, what do you get from that, you get to explore your design, you get to push the machine or the mechanism to its to its limits, see where it breaks, and you get to learn and iterate from it before you actually order parts to build the actual first machine. So that's kind of that's kind of what 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 a digital twin to me means. Um, it's a you know a digital asset of a, a, a real physical product. And that's a really valuable step. And the other thing I was wondering, I, I talk to people a lot, and I think we should explain. A lot of times people don't understand the difference between between a digital twin and a virtual commissioning. So can you explain the difference? Especially in the automation world, this is a good question because uh, commissioning is really the step of um, bringing the um, the first design of your machine or your or, or your product, bring it and making it interact and behave the way the end use is supposed to behave in, right? So how how is it intended to behave? How is it intended to perform? So commissioning, traditionally what happens in the automation world, if you're building a machine, if you're an OEM machine builder, for example, you build that prototype, you test it, um, and then the controls engineers have the job to program it, to program the software controls, um, to program how it's going to move, to make sure that it's performing the right way, and to tune it. So commissioning, so what a, a digital twin allows you to do after, after you have your digital twin, that's kind of like step one. And then step two, you can use that digital twin to do the commissioning process now. And so instead of 
waiting for the physical machine to commission, you can commission on that digital plan. And it's made possible because of the software connection that exists between, you know, the Maple Sim type of digital twin and the Rockwell control environment. So, so now a Maple Sim digital model is connected to Studio 5000 by connecting the tags on the model to the control code. And now you can play with your control code and you can see that digital model react to the control code. You could change, update your control code and see it move in a different kind of way. For example, I've had a customer before that told us that they were commissioning in, in the traditional way and they set one bit wrong and, and a large mass arm moved all the way this way when it's supposed to move this way and ended up hitting something oh. uh, costing a lot of money. And it was just such a simple <laughs> thing. And the ability to, to see that and play with that in software, actually, it's really powerful and can end up saving a lot of money for um, from companies from, you know, just avoiding mistakes, but not only avoiding mistakes, you can actually tune it. And, and get ahead of the, the, the timeline it takes to make for product development. So if your timelines typically, um, uh, I'm making up numbers here at the moment, but, but let's say typically 12 months to, you know, 12 months, you know, you could save one, one and a half months, perhaps two months in, in the whole development uh, cycle by allowing the engineers who control, who program, program the, the machine, allowing them to start sooner on the digital model before the parts even arrive. So that's kind of the interplay between a digital twin and virtual commissioning. So it's virtual, virtualize the commissioning phase using the digital model. That makes sense because of the domino effect. When, once the one thing goes wrong, the next thing comes wrong. And when you talk about before the parts arrive, now with the supply chain instability going on, that even accents more the importance of planning ahead and knowing what you need to do. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that supply chain issue is a, is a real problem that all of us probably, any, everyone listening to this podcast has experienced in some way, shape or form, whether it's their own consumer products or their own business that are experiencing this. Now imagine having the ability to engineer, develop and manufacture without some of those critical parts that, that you're waiting for. There's, there's ability to do more without having the physical part sitting next to you. Having the physical part next to you is, um, you know, a lot of ways that's kind of a little bit of, it's getting to be a little bit of an old school type of thinking where you have to have everything come together to be in order to make progress right. but more and more that these tools out there are becoming more powerful in predicting how those physical parts will behave before they actually arrive so mm -hmm. yeah you're absolutely right uh, the supply chain issues um, um, uh, you know it compounds the importance of having real true digital models yeah it's such a big deal so what industries are typically using digital twins? Are there any limitations or is, are all industries using this? How does it work? Um, usually digital twins, um, well, historically digital twins have been used in aerospace and automotive. And at MapleSoft, we have uh, several customers in those areas. And uh, aerospace, for example, imagine um, uh, testing something uh, that requires zero gravity on a different landing on, a, on a, perhaps another planet with different profiles of the atmosphere and gravitational pull. You'd want to test it in such a realistic way that you'll know that your design will survive. And in automotive, traditionally, companies that manufacture cars, obviously, they want to run their designs through multiple um, scenarios um, and come up with the best result from there. So traditionally, that's what's been done. And, and these kinds of companies have entire departments dedicated to simulation, model-based simulation, um, dynamic simulation. They have departments of engineers working on that. But what's changed now, Teresa, is that um, at MapleSoft especially, we've packaged up the goodness we've learned from there, uh, so to speak, and, and made it easier to use for, for anyone, you know, out there in whether they're an engineer or they're, they're on the manufacturing 
clothing line can pick up and run with. So, so the industry that's using it most, or the market that's using it most right now, uh, that MapleSoft's targeting is the industrial automation space and manufacturing, OEM machine builders. Uh, basically, now a lot of companies are looking at digital tools to help their product development to help them stay competitive. And what that really is is that easy to use platform that can give them real world results in terms of saving money, um, reducing time to market, and and adding innovation to their to their products. And that's to stay competitive and and uh, and some in some cases you know outpace their their competitors by by a big margin because they've learned insights from from modeling and simulation. Now for a quick break. Companies today are under constant pressure to reduce costs and shorten time to market. MapleSim allows you to develop virtual prototypes of even the most complex designs easily and rapidly. MapleSim enables a model-driven innovation process that helps you reduce project risk, create better products, and get to market faster. See examples and request a demo at our website, maplesoft.com backslash maplesim. So when an OEM uses digital twins to improve its design and help its customers, then it's flowing to the food industry packaging, CPG. So it's kind of a domino effect of goodness, kind of. Yes, a domino yeah. effect of goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That could be your company's new motto. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. speak in that. I could give you, I, I give if you don't mind, I'll give you like two quick customer example sure. applications yeah. um, just, just to go along with this. Uh, one uh, customer, like one customer, um, took this up in a reactive mode. Basically, they built the um, machine and they're in, in injection molding. Um, they built the machine. They had it out at the customer site. The end customer who was producing products said the machine's not moving fast enough. Turn up the speed. To, to what the spec said it should be. They turn up the speed, but what happens in that in injection molding machine, as the masses come together like this, it started to vibrate. So they couldn't turn up the speed, something was wrong. And traditionally they would change the hardware out. So they would go on site, change the hardware, costly of course, um, but they turned to MapleSoft and said, can you help us? Can you help us create our first model and we could play with a simulation model just to see if we could fix this without hardware? Sure enough, they did. They created the model and they connected that model to the control code and they were able to play and run all kinds of scenarios. In the model, it showed the vibration without being next to the machine itself. And in the model, they were able to stop the vibration by turning the speed up. And in fact, they were able to exceed the speed expectations by 25%. Um, so it was, a, it was a big success. And that's one customer we have. And, and that, that customer has an existing machine. The other customer is in packaging and they are running new designs. So they're taking a proactive approach. So they have Maple Sim um, in their design process. And basically they're trying out all kinds of new things. They're eliminating parts from their packaging machine. They're adding customized robotics. They're saving money by not using off-the-shelf robotics and they're saving money by reducing the number of, of part count. And they're saving and they actually have competitive products out there, new designs, the first in the industry actually for some of their designs. Um, and they've told us time and time again, it was made possible by the, the, the Maple Sim tool and the maple math engine that, that that's running behind it to allow the simulations to go so quickly so those are two applications in two different um two different spaces that you know i kind of wanted to share with you and maybe the yeah. listeners or the viewers of this wanted to, to to know like really tangibly like who's using this why they're using it and how they're getting benefit and those are a couple of examples those are good ways to explain how it's really used in the real world i mean it's not just some really futuristic picture in a magazine with space mm -hmm. good for them for thinking of 
trying to figure out a way to use digital twins to their advantage. Now, I know a lot of companies don't use digital twins yet, and I hear a lot of different reasons for why when I talk to people, but what are some of the reasons you hear of why people aren't using digital twins? The reasons I hear, like one, I think first and foremost is new. Is this is a new technology? I don't believe in in it yet. I and I have to learn it, and I don't quite understand it. And there's so many different offering out there for software and um, digital digital twins. And what do I really need? Does it need to connect to my supply chain? Does it need to you know do certain things? They're not sure. So I think you know the number one reason is just awareness of what's possible, um, and then not taking that next step to invest in learning. Um, uh, that's one. And then the other one is there is a learning curve for the any device development team, right? So you're, you have a, a new way of doing something with a new piece of software, you have to learn it. And you have to be confident that you're going to be successful by investing the time into learning it and putting that in your development process. Um, we've seen time and time again, that hurdle <coughs> and helped companies overcome that hurdle. And once they do, it's like a switch, actually. It, it's, it's, I, I love seeing it. I love being involved in it. And I love, I love seeing like the, the eyes open up and say, oh, I didn't realize we could do this. I didn't realize we could test this. And they're actually giving us feedback of all the different ways our models can be used. So, so you know, that that's that's the initial resistance. And then and then the other thing, the other thing too is that you know, everyone, you know, everyone's busy, companies are busy. A lot of companies right now, um, their, their demand is so high, but they can't supply the product fast enough. So you're in this firefighting mode of trying to keep your customers happy. And a lot of times new innovation, new innovative ways to do things and, and continuous improvement are kind of left on the back burner. But I encourage anybody or any companies out there who know that you know part of your success is to stay competitive and to improve efficiencies and to reduce costs of your products going forward. I encourage companies to take a look at digital twin software like MapleSoft, like MapleSim to at least take a step forward in trying something at a simple model and seeing if it can actually benefit um, I could, I could almost guarantee, you know, that you'll find some pieces of gold uh, in it. Not, not only that, not some pieces, but like a full, full new workflow that you find valuable from it. So yeah, um, those, that's kind of some of the, the hurdles that that come up. It, it is new, and I, yeah, I, sometimes I go back at, and sorry if I'm rambling, but some, sometimes I go back and I think about uh, Tesla and how Tesla got started, and and they started with this this small niche car, it's a sports car, right? And it's all electric and it was expensive and the market demand for it, it wasn't really there. Why would I buy an expensive electric vehicle when I could, I could purchase cheap fuel and have my minivan or have my large SUV and, and I could do so much more with. And they really started by, because they started in this way, they learned so much and it took some time before the, you know, not the economy, the buying market realized that electric vehicles are the way to go. And actually there's a lot of benefit to it now that the costs have come down uh, and the efficiencies are there and, and it's healthy for the planet. So I think, and, and Tesla created a whole new product, new product suite out of that, more usable cars, more approachable cars. And I think that's the way simulation is going simulation and digital yeah. twins are going. It's like, it's kind of niche applic you know, niche usage right now. But the way it's going to evolve and the way that different types of libraries are being added, components are being added, motors are being added into the into the default palettes that allow people to really take advantage as this as this offering, you know, grows, you know, in the next, you know, in the next one to two years, as it grows, there's going to be so much value added to it and it'll become an essential part of uh, engineering and manufacturing. That's a good example. I. I often hear, I well, I have heard an older example of when John Deere invented the combine and different tractors. It was a hard sell to the farmers because why do I need that? I have this mule and this plow. 
why do I need that expensive, fancy tractor? And they didn't realize they didn't need it until they realized what it could do. I don't need that. Yeah, yeah. A different comparison, much older. (laughs) And some listeners have a comparison nonetheless, right? Yeah. Some listeners are going, what? Mule? Wow. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, yeah. And it's interesting and definitely exciting to see about the progress that's being made with digital twins. So uh, I know companies are learning a lot about the benefits. What do you see coming next, like in the next few years or what what's developing with the next evolution of digital twins? Um, you're going to see a lot more, uh, you're going to see your higher performance for one, you know, uh, performance of, of the software tools evolving, um, that you're going to see, um, uh, mass deployments of digital twins, for example, where there's a fleet of now digital models, um, that represents, that represents perhaps a large deployment of physical assets, large deployment of machines that, and these digital models are running in an environment where the simulations can be run and push them to their limit. That would represent exactly what they're seeing in the, in the physical world, but you, you're pushing the, the digital models to their limits and you can break them. So now you can have you could break, you could purposely break the digital models and there's no repercussion. You Now you can have predictive maintenance done. You can have data being fed back at high speeds. Um, and especially with MapleSoft's type of digital twin. Um, and, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but but it's something we're proud of. It's it's that it uses, you know, the world's most powerful math engine in behind, under the hood, that's been developed over the last 30 years that, that crunches down the equations like that. And um, it's, it's ultra fast and, and it's your best chance at real-time simulations out there uh, today. So um, uh, you're going to see a lot of advancements in the technology. You're going to see mass deployments. You're going to see intelligence being added. And you're going to see, you know, th- you know, an evolution of the, the manufacturing space where, you know, digital um, workflows like this are, are, are the norm uh, because there's so much benefit to get out of it. Um, and there's, there's so much that can be done um uh, in in an innovation set and standpoint from from using uh tools like this yeah and companies are under such pressure yeah to find all these advantages well this is great information i wish we had more time but i really appreciate you being here and i'm sure our listeners are going to appreciate the information too thanks Teresa. yeah i'm happy to be here and i hope i didn't talk too much i hope that not those listeners have stayed on to, to the end if not then uh maybe they won't even hear this part but uh but thank you to you and thank you to everyone who tuned in to for the podcast thank you chris this was great listeners you can go to the episode description to get more resources about digital twins and until then i'm Teresa hauk from the journal magazine and i'll talk to you soon again If you enjoy Automation Chat, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you so much for listening.